the afternoon and will average between 20 and 25 miles per hour. I'm KNSS meteorologist Rodney Price. Championing the core conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. I want to remind you to stay informed with up-to-the-minute news while working from home, homeschooling the kids. Just download the Odyssey app or tell Alexa or Google Home to play KNSS Radio. If you ever miss an episode, you can always visit knssradio.com. You'll find links to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. And, of course, make sure you like and follow The John Whitmer Show on Facebook. It's uh, the, the John Whitmer Show. You can follow me on Twitter, at John R. Whitmer, to get all the latest updates on the show. So, you know, in addition to uh, the folks we got to meet, we obviously played the interview earlier with, uh, with House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins. But it was great to see members of our federal delegation. Senator Roger Marshall was in town. We saw I bumped into Congressman Tracy Mann. And I had an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with Congressman Ron Estes, and we'll play that for you now. Congressman, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to step outside of the convention floor. You can probably hear it in the background. Let me get right to, obviously, the big pressing news of the day. We're going on, I think, well, almost three weeks now, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it seems like there's no end in sight. What are you hearing uh, from Ukraine? Have you heard any of the, the latest news that we may not be hearing? Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it just highlights how dangerous the world still is, that there's evil people like Putin who actually want to dictate uh, and control the world. And, it, it, you know, it, what, what's been disappointing to me was, you know, the, the impact and the impression that the Biden administration gave the world that we were weak. I mean, you go back to look at Afghanistan and at how we were surrendered and ran out of Afghanistan. Uh, what's been optimistic, though, is the European Union is is actually standing up. I mean, there that's the first time in in many years that they've stood together in terms of saying, you know, we're not going to allow one European country to be assaulted by any uh, buddy that wants to go attack it. So that's been a positive sign from that standpoint. Obviously, your heart goes out to how bad it is for, for the Ukrainian citizens and, and the, the turmoil that Putin's causing going through there and the disruption and the deaths that he's causing. And, and, but it's uplifting to see uh, President Zelensky and, and the Ukrainian people fight for their freedom. And that's something that we can't ever forget, that freedom's worth fighting for, and we need to continue to doing that. And we need to continue to help them, get them the weapons that they can actually fight back against this bully that's coming in from Russia. You know, we had the opportunity to talk to Senator Moran on the show last week, and it was just fascinating to hear he had had the opportunity to be on a call with President Zelensky. And I don't mean to necessarily pick on our president at a time of crisis, but the leadership, the striking difference in leadership 
between their president and ours. You know, we're looking at a situation right now where Joe Biden goes to Delaware every weekend. I mean, it just seems like he doesn't, he cares, but he doesn't seem to care, or it's not a high enough priority to him. Yeah, it really is uplifting to the world, really, to see President Zelensky staying in, in country, staying home, yeah. fighting for his home, fighting for his country. And, and you know, freedom's important. I mean, people need to fight for that and, and stand up for that. And, and we need more of that in the United States. You know, the United States citizens, typically, we, we allow a lot of crap to happen before we stand up and fight. And, and now people are starting to stand up and fight for, for our country. And, and, you know, Zelensky, President Zelensky is a great model to follow in terms of doing that. And, and it's, it's a positive and it's an uplifting sign for, you know, freedom-loving people everywhere throughout the world. Senator Moran mentioned that he didn't feel there was any real support in the Senate for anything in the way of U.S. troops, military support. In that regard, are you hearing anything in, in the House for us to actually have boots in the ground or get involved in any way along those lines? I don't think the, the country would want that, but do you hear any support along those lines? I, I, I'm not hearing much support in, in the House uh, around having U.S. troops in the ground to help with the fight uh, there. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough diplomatic issue in terms of talking about uh, the problem is we should have sent defensive weapons into Ukraine when they asked for it. You know, last fall when when it was approved, they had the authorization. The Biden administration fell through and didn't get that job done. And so it, it's made it tougher for the Ukrainians to stand up and do their support. The issue you get into is right now Ukraine's not a member of NATO. So it, it doesn't fall under the umbrella of, you know, if a NATO country's attacked, that all of NATO would, would come to its defense. And, and that was the whole uh, aspect of why you set up NATO to do that. Uh, but I, it, I don't know that there's going to be a, a big impact of, of uh, just there's it, it's a, a bigger issue to step up and have U.S. troops doing the fighting as well. We're talking with Congressman Ron Estes. I know, you know, it's interesting. Biden now blames uh, Russia for high gas prices, inflation. Uh, no one's buying that at home. Are, are they buying that in the halls of Congress? No, they're not buying that. And, and actually, that's a piece that they're going to try to re- reinvent history and try to recreate a whole different story. You know, you look back to, to when President Biden was sworn in uh, in January, January 20th of uh, 2021. Gas prices across the country were $2.20. They were less here in Kansas. They were, you know, $1.67. Uh, and, then, and then you look uh, a year later, uh, Biden's gas prices went up over a dollar ten a gallon. In in Kansas, they doubled. Uh, and and so the 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 reinventing history that they're going to try to do, they're going to try to blame Putin instead of these bad policies that Biden put in place. And what we really need to do is make sure we have good permanent policies in place, so that when an evil bully like Putin tries to do one of these stunts and, and attacking a country like Ukraine or other countries uh, that we're not we're not under the bad influence of bad policies that have come out of the Biden administration. You know, speaking of bad policies, they're still not willing to open the, the Keystone Pipeline to look at new oil releases, you know, or leases. All they're talking about is old leases that aren't working and, you know, throw, opening the strategic reserve for 30 million gallons. I mean, it, it was worthless. Yeah, they really don't understand what they're talking about. And then, you know, the, the the leases that are out there already, I mean, when you do the lease options out there for federal land, a, a company comes in and bids and says, well, I want to prospect on that land 
and maybe it has oil, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it has a pipeline and, to and, it, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of these land, the leases that aren't being developed, are because there's not the good prospects of oil being right. there. So you actually make an investment and pay the lease to the federal government without expectation that all of them are going to be drillable and, and, and actually become having productive wells there. So that's a piece that they really misunderstand inside the Beltway when they don't really know what the real world's like. And what, what President Biden did was cutting down on those leases means that we can't go into productive areas and, and produce more energy. You know, when, when you have energy independence, which we had during the President Trump years, I mean, the world's a safer place. Not only is gas cheaper in the United States, but also countries like Iran, countries like Russia, can't attack and can't create mischief. I mean, Iran's not wasn't attacking Israel uh, during the Trump administration. In fact, the Abraham Accords came out, and the Middle East right. was a safer place than ever before. Russia wasn't attacking the country of Georgia or the U- Ukraine or, or the Crimean part of Ukraine uh, because they couldn't threaten the United States to cutting off oil. And, and that's what Biden or that's what Biden's policies have created, which allows Putin to come back and do that, that horrible attack. And, and same thing with inflation. You know, when you when you look at what what President Biden did on inflation and his ARPA bill that he wanted to pass in his first hundred days so that he can say he had a success. You know, inflation started the next month, right after that bill passed. And the his Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, uh, said, oh, well, it's only transitory. Yeah. It's, it's not a big issue. Problem for the rich. And, the, and they got they got the Federal Reserve to say the same thing. And and what we've we're saying at the same time is that no, this is this is being baked in. This is being over and over again. And we've seen it getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. And and just just this week it's come out with uh, 7.9% year over year inflation. And now Secretary Yellen saying, well, we're probably going to face over the next year a very uncomfortable rate of inflation because of that, because they won't address the issue that they caused over the last year. And we need to make sure that it, the, the suffering of Americans uh, is, is fought back on and that we get back to a point where we have good economic growth that allows people to, to, to buy the food they need to do, to buy the gas they need, to heat their home. Well, and meanwhile... Joe Biden's solution is everybody just needs to buy a Tesla. Yeah, so. <laughs> which which is lunacy in terms of that standpoint because I mean at the end of the day a Tesla gets electricity and electricity comes from either a natural gas plant or a coal plant or a nuclear plant. Uh, you know, it doesn't come out of thin air. And that's a piece that they don't understand. I, I don't think they, they get that. They, they, they don't want to get it because they want to, they've got their blinders on in, in terms of their mantra. Congressman, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back. You're always great about coming back to the district and it's nice to see you again. Well, it's great. Good seeing you. And I, I love talking to about the issues that are going on and, and being able to, to talk to your listeners. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Great conversation with Ron Estes at the state convention. He then went out and stood at his booth and just talked and was able to be accessible for his constituents, something you always appreciate in your elected representatives. We'll be taking your calls at 845, but coming up after the break, I'll talk with Max Nelson from the Freedom Foundation, who has uncovered millions in fraudulent paycheck protection program loans that went to the teachers' unions, even though they weren't eligible for the loans in the first place. 
You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. Every stock market crash has one thing in common, recovery. Your retirement investments may have been hit hard. When they recover is related to how they are invested. I'm Don Grant, the Money Tracker, a certified financial planner professional with Fortis Advisors. Let me help you develop an investment plan that fits you, your needs, and this economy. Call me, Don Grant, CFP, 634-2222. That's Don Grant, 316-634-2222. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Fortis Advisors is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. It's been a week. The world is saying to Russia, stop these attacks immediately. Putin's major source of revenue is selling oil and gas. President Biden banned all imports of Russian oil. The price of the gas at the pump in America is going to go up further. And it all happened here. Assist with humanitarian aid. Providing weapons. Major League Baseball's back. Stay with us throughout the weekend. Ready to begin their attack. Attack on Kiev. They intend to use chemical weapons. And as the new week begins, this is outright terror. 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Is this the real life? No way these things could happen. It's, it's. Is this just fantasy? It's a fantasy. The reality that Donald Trump would be our president. Of the Glenn Beck program. It's a fantasy that we would have 40-year high inflation rate like this that we would be talking about nuclear war. Open your eyes. There's no reality anymore. The Glenn Beck Program, mornings from 9 until 11 on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Sean Hannity. Putin has reportedly even sent death squads into Ukraine to assassinate President Zelensky and his family. And for what? To fulfill the selfish territorial dreams of an evil, murdering, maniacal, megalomaniac dictator? There's one way to stop this war. And if anyone around Putin has a backbone, a soul, a conscience, get him out of power by any means necessary. Sean Hannity. I say that unapologetically for you liberal critics out there. Afternoons at 2 on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. and green head ducks and drive our four-wheelers down the main road and bust out the sleds when it's cold we got welcome back to the john whitmer show on 98.7 and 1330 knsss wichita's number one talk sponsored by wink hartman and the hartman group of companies want to remind you you can always listen to us by downloading the odyssey app or by telling your smart speaker to play knss radio Make sure you like and share the John Whitmer Show on Facebook. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer. Those are the best ways to stay informed on all the latest show updates. Little Aaron Lewis, Northern Redneck. Speaking of Aaron Lewis, he's coming to Wichita. I'll be at the Cotillion later this uh, this spring. I, I know if I don't get tickets, my wife will uh, have me sleeping on the couch for a month. So last month, the NRSC released a report that showed teachers' unions increased political donations as they pushed for school closure policies. Meanwhile, the Freedom Foundation uncovered millions 
in uh, paycheck protection program loans going to those very same teachers unions even though they were were not eligible for the loans in the first place. Go figure. Joining us now to walk us through the numbers is Max Nelson, the author and researcher of the report. Max, thank you for joining us this evening. Hey, my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. You know, I looked at these uh, numbers. By the way, I, I posted a link to the report on the John Whitmer Show Facebook page. If if folks want to check it out, it, it's, it, it's a little eye-opening, frankly. But according to this Freedom Foundation report, hundreds of labor unions, including numerous teachers unions, received $36.7 million in federal funds through the Paycheck Protection Program for which they were legally ineligible, correct? That is correct. Yeah, that uh, that boils us right down to its essence. Uh, how? I, I mean, uh, and don't get me wrong, I, we keep hearing these stories of fraudulent PPP loans, but these are teachers' unions. <laughs> well, government is big. Government is bureaucratic. It's not known for being particularly efficient. Uh, this was a massive new program that was created by Congress essentially overnight uh, with passage of the CARES Act in the early days of the COVID pandemic and handed to a relatively small federal agency, the Small Business Administration, which tried to implement the apparatus to run this program uh, in, in short order. So, I mean, under the best of circumstances, government is, is prone to uh, making mistakes like this that conveniently happen to work in the interests of uh, those that uh, have substantial political influence. So, in some ways, this is this is really par for the course with government, but in this unique program here, this was a multi-stage failure, I mean, from, from start to finish. The, the unions themselves that were submitting applications for uh, Paycheck Protection Program funds needed to complete forms that were developed by the Small Business Administration and had to attest to the SBA that they were eligible for the funds at the time that they were applying. Uh, and there was even, you know, the first section of the form was supposed to, you know, a series of check boxes. The applicant was supposed to indicate what type of eligible business entity they were. Uh, now, unfortunately, there's no way for us uh, outside the government uh, apparatus to, to get copies of those actual applications. Uh, but at least we know that the fact that they were attesting, that they would have had to have attested, yes, we are eligible for these funds, uh, w was incorrect uh, by, by virtue of the fact that their applications were were uh, were received and submitted and approved. So at some level, there was either a misunderstanding of the rules or potentially uh, intentional uh, <laughs> lack of forthrightness with uh, with the applications on the part of these unions. Uh, but the the second layer was the private financial institution that reviewed each loan application. So. Massive program, like I said, I, I, millions of these loans were, were issued and approved. Uh, and the SBA, rather than trying to handle all of this in-house, contracted with a network of about 6,000 private banks and financial institutions around the country to actually review and process and approve uh, these loan applications. So that was another stage of failure. Uh, obviously, the unions were submitting inaccurate applications. The banks apparently were not catching them. And in, in at least one or two instances that we identified, uh, the, the bank that approved the loan was actually uh, affiliated with labor unions, was actually owned by labor unions. Oh, jeez. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of the day, the Small Business Administration didn't have the internal c controls in place 
to monitor these loans and, and the applications coming in and to make sure that they were only going to eligible entities. So from top to bottom, there was a, a breakdown here. Well, and and these are forgivable loans that that were, I mean, let's be honest, you, you were being generous. I, I'm going to be honest. I, they, they, there had to have been fraud here. I, we've heard of cases where the government's going after these people on you know, private individuals who are trying to deceive. I have not heard any instances where the federal government's going after these unions. But what makes this even more grotesque is what some of these unions may have done with this money. For example, five local American Federation of Teachers union branches received over $130,000 in combined PPP loans. And meanwhile, the American Federation of Teachers Committee on Political Education donated a million dollars to Senate Democrat majority pack. I mean, it's if you look at it, it seems pretty obvious what happened here. AFT got a bunch of PPP money and then the AFT national or donated a bunch of money to Senate Democrats. It, it is very likely that the PPP, fund, PPP funds that these unions receive, teachers unions and other public employees unions and, and AFL-CIO affiliates, it's entirely likely that some or, or large portions of that money uh, helped finance or, or free up other funds for the unions to then contribute on partisan political activity and, and electioneering. Uh, union dues are often a source of significant political contributions, and unions, particularly in the public sector, uh, have an interest in and, and a larger capacity to influence electoral outcomes. So any money that they didn't have to pay to their staff as salaries that they received through the PPP was money that they could have freed up and, and spent on political actions. And honestly, on cheerleading for COVID lockdowns, for the very policies yeah. that necessitated this type of relief in the first place. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their spending on elections in 2019, AFT spent $100,000 to Senate Democrats. In 2020, the year after they got all this PPP money, they spent $3.25 million to Senate Democrats. <laughs> Do the math. I mean, right. they didn't get a ton of new donor money from their union members. Most of those guys were laid off. I mean, it just it makes pretty simple sense what they did. They got a bunch of money from taxpayers and turned around uh -huh. and donated it to Senate Democrats. Uh -huh. It's pretty outrageous. And, and when you look at these AFL-CIO affiliate unions as well, so AFL-CIO uh, is a little bit confusing to understand sometimes because many unions are affiliated with the AFL-CIO, and so that may appear in their, in their title. But the AFL-CIO itself is an organization with its own state affiliate entities in, internally uh, and its own local affiliates internally. It's basically a trade association for unions. It's, it's a union for unions, if you will. Uh, and so our, our report identified about a half million dollars that went to, you know, the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO, the Alaska AFL-CIO, uh, and, and various local uh, AFL-CIO entities. Again, these are entities that are not representing workers. They're representing unions. Uh, and so they tend to be even more political uh, in their advocacy and in the use of their funds than a teacher's union would be or a state worker's union would be because they're, they're explicitly the advocacy arm for unions, uh, and yet they were applying for and receiving apparently hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, taxpayer COVID relief funds that they weren't legally entitled to. So, Max, we have a case here in Wichita, a private individual who uh, it looks like he's alleged to have committed this type of PPP fraud, and mm -hmm. feds are going after him. 
My question for you is, what happens now? Will there be any investigation into these fraudulent loans? You've, you, you guys have found them. The, ob, the evidence is there. You can see the report. It's pretty obvious. You know, is the Department of Justice looking into this? Is the federal government doing it? Or are they just going to ignore it because these are big Democrat donors? Well, that's that's the question right now, John. I mean, we uh, part of our research uncovered uh, through the Freedom of Information Act requests uh, uncovered emails uh, that, from the SBA, and uh, apparently, as early as July of 2020, uh, Trump administration officials in the White House were alerting the SBA to the fact that loans were apparently going out to unions that were ineligible. Um, now, our research after the fact indicates that nothing changed. Uh, those loans continued to be approved and, and sent out. Some unions even were approved for second loans uh, after after the SBA was notified. Uh, but it's not too late for uh, federal authorities to do the right thing. I mean, we've submitted our findings to the uh, Small Business Administration's Inspector General, uh, who has uncovered other ways in which the PPP program was mishandled by the SBA. Uh, and we've submitted our findings to the Department of Justice, which has a National Center on Disaster Fraud. So hopefully those federal authorities are impartial enough to recognize that the law was violated and at least recover this money uh, for American taxpayers. And if they find that these uh, loans were loan applications were completed uh, with the intention uh, and, and knowingly inaccurate information, then hopefully they'll pursue appropriate criminal penalties. You know, there was there was a line in, in President Biden's uh, uh, State of the Union this week that caught my attention. And uh, yeah, it was just a short line. You know, he's throwing a lot of stuff out there in the speech. But, you know, he specifically claimed that in his administration, the watchdog, yes. the watchdogs have been welcomed back. And we're going to go after the criminals who stole billions in relief money, COVID relief money, meant for small businesses and millions of Americans. So we'll see. We'll see if his administration lives up to that promise. But if, if they do, you know, we've handed this to them on a silver platter. Yeah, I saw that. I remember him saying that. And, and actually, I knew I was going to be talking to you. And I thought I was going to bring that up because... He said he was going to do it. Now we'll see if the rubber meets the road on this. Again, right. we shared a link to the report on the John Whitmer Show Facebook page. But if folks are interested in reading more, they can visit freedomfoundation.com, correct? That is exactly the place to go, yep. Max, I appreciate you. Thank you again for joining us, for bringing us this report. It's fascinating. Um, you know, if you don't expose this, I guarantee you the mainstream media isn't going. Maybe Fox would, but we know the other two won't. Thank you again for joining us this evening. Carry on the fight, my friend. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. We're going to pay a few bills, and when we return, Senate Majority, Senate Majority Leader. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, you know, it's just, it's off. It's, it's an off night. And you know why. So bear with me. Former Secretary of State Chris Kobach will be with us. We're going to talk about the lawsuit that he recently filed on behalf of the military airmen and National Guardmen. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. I'll figure out where I am and what week this is. And when I do, we'll be back on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Bad decisions limit future options. Make enough bad decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The Flotline with your host, Rick Hughes, every Sunday morning at 7.30 on KNSS. The Flotline describes a main line of resistance in your soul built on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, 
education, all without manipulation. That's The Flot Line with Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 7.30 right here on KNSS. Has this ever happened to you? My friend was telling me about his new pair of headphones, so I looked them up online. Now everywhere I go is a creepy ad for those headphones I looked at one time. I hate that feeling like I'm being watched. I got DuckDuckGo and saw a difference right away. With one download, you can search and browse privately, avoiding trackers all for free. It's that simple. Take back your privacy online with DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Weather brought to you by Native Lights Casino. There's no light up in the wind for the next 24 to 36 hours as south winds will be up there around 35 at 40 miles per hour tonight. We'll see mostly clear skies and the low dropping to 42. For Monday, mostly sunny, 61. South winds will turn to the northwest and stay gusty. I'm KNSS meteorologist Rodney Price. I'm Roger Stern. Legendary quarterback Tom Brady doesn't like retirement. Just six weeks after announcing his, Brady says he's returning to Tampa Bay for a 23rd season in the NFL. Brady made the announcement on Twitter. He wrote, these past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. Fox's Bob Mortali. 35 people died today in a Russian missile attack on a Ukrainian military base close to the Polish border. Fox's Mike Tobin in nearby Lviv says the base is tied to the U.S. and its allies. This base is used by uh, NATO forces to train Ukrainian forces. Members of the Florida National Guard were there as recently as February. Meanwhile, Fox News has learned that Russia asked China for military equipment and economic help after invading Ukraine. America is listening to Fox News. Love. Love. Steve and Ted in the love. morning. Love going to work in the morning. You need more than love. Hey, by the way, there's a massive, beautiful moon setting really? outside right now. Where's it? Very low on the northwest horizon. Wow. And it is something to see. If you're driving westbound somewhere, you're definitely going to see it. Yeah. And if your knuckles begin to become very hairy, you're probably a werewolf. I love you people. You'll love it. Steve and Ted in the morning on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Live Sunday nights. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. I'm a and patriotic. Nephew of my Uncle Sam, a rough-riding, fighting Yankee man. I love mom and apple pie. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. You can always listen to us by downloading the Odyssey app or telling your smart speaker to play KNSS Radio. If you ever miss an episode, just visit knssradio.com. You'll find links to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. And, of course, make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. The Song of the Patriot, little Johnny Cash. That's an appropriate intro for this guest. Former Kansas Secretary of State and candidate for Attorney General Chris Kobach filed suit last week against the Biden administration on behalf of 36 airmen in the Air Force, Air Force Reserve, and Air National Guard. And he joins us now to walk us through the case. Chris, thank you for joining us. It's nice to have you back on the show again. Oh, it was a pleasure, John. So 
Chris, uh, in the suit filed in U.S. District Court, the Kansas and Nebraska airmen are challenging the legality of President Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. They're seeking a religious exemption that so far the, the Air Force has denied them, correct? Yeah, that's right. So <clears throat> this suit actually started in Wichita when I was given a speech on January 28th um, at the Hyatt uh, about the, the, the many ways in which our liberties and, and constitutional rights are being violated by the Biden mandates, the many vaccine mandates. And after my speech, uh, a couple of airmen uh, stationed at McConnell came up to me and said, hey, can you help us? We've got a lot of people who are in a pretty desperate situation. And uh, those conversations led to many more. And they were connected with some airmen in a similar situation at office, Offutt Air Base in Omaha. And the, uh, the yeah, the lawsuit is about half guys, uh, ba- guys and gals based at McConnell and half uh, airmen based at Offutt. And it's uh, it, it's pretty astounding what's going on. So the in theory, the Air Force says there is a chance to get a religious accommodation, in other words, a, a religious exemption based on your faith uh, to the vaccine from the vaccine mandate. But that, that's just in theory. In reality, it's just window dressing. The um, there have been five thousand and thirty eight disapprovals by the Air Force of these requests for exemptions. And, and you know, these airmen go to extraordinary lengths. They, they have letters from their pastors, their priests. Uh, they go, they explain in Scripture why they believe that uh, their faith uh, does not permit taking the, vac- the vaccine. And 5,038 disapproved, 19 approved. That's a 99, <laughs> 99.6% disapproval so this, rate. And this isn't, you know, I, I, I'm a member of the Church of the Spaghetti mon- you know, Monster or whatever. This is legitimate. No, this, is, this is completely legit. One of our, our plaintiffs is a... Um, is a chaplain in the Air Force with 30 years, almost 30 years experience <clears throat> collected between the National Guard and the active duty Air Force where he is now. And yeah, so if anybody uh, can can say this is absolutely a legit, someone whose uh, career is as a chaplain, but no, I, I can tell you the, these guys are very serious, uh, very sincere, and this is a true faith-based exemption they are seeking. But the Air Force pretty much uh, is giving the back of its hand to anyone asserting a religious basis for saying no to the vaccine. But get this, John, the Air Force has granted nearly 3,000 medical and so-called administrative exemptions. So if you have a secular reason, a non-faith-based region, reason, the Air Force is going to give you a fair shake and, uh, and, and may give you an exemption. And these guys are, you know, they've had their request denied, uh, almost all of them. And uh, some of them are at the very last stage where they're about to be discharged from the Air Force and kicked out uh, of their chosen career to serve their country. And it's it's really I think it's horrible when our armed services say to someone, um, yeah, we expect you to put your life on the line to defend our constitutional rights uh, of the people of America. But if you want to assert your own your own constitutional rights, uh, no, we're not interested in hearing that. Well, and uh, these are these are needed highly trained pilots the biden administration is willing to terminate them over a a vaccine that's what doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me no it doesn't make any sense at all so get this of the of the 36 airmen in the lawsuit 17 are pilots and most of them fly the uh, the rc-135 out of nebraska or the kc-135 out of kansas um to train a pilot on that platform of an aircraft 
is $5.5 million per pilot, according to the Rand Corporation, a study that was commissioned by the Air Force. So $5.5 million bucks invested, and the Biden administration, all because of a nonsense, ideologically driven quest to get the number up to nearly 100% of the Air Force vaccinated, is saying, nope, um, we're not going to make that exception. We're going to throw you out onto the street. We're going to, you know, we're going to flush down the toilet, the $5.5 million that the taxpayers have paid to, uh, to train you. And that's just the pilot seat. Some of our other uh, plaintiffs are translators on the RC-135. Many listeners may not know the RC-135 is probably the most sophisticated intelligence aircraft in the world. The RC-135s are flying right now over Poland, looking into Russian airspace and Ukrainian airspace, translating signals that they, they intercept. There are translators who fly on board and then immediately in real time translate with the, the intelligence they've just received and then send it to whoever needs to get it. Um, these are highly trained people. We've got uh, electronic warfare uh, officers who are among our plaintiffs. You know, they may not have $5.5 million invested in their training, but there's a lot of money invested in these highly skilled people. And you can't just throw them onto the street and say, okay, let's go find some Russian linguists and teach them how to intercept intel and fly aboard an airplane in two days. No, it, it, it takes years to train these people. And the Biden administration just doesn't seem to be worried about it. When, in theory, the Biden administration is is pretending that it's all worried about American national security and wouldn't do anything to compromise our national security. Yeah, it, it's complete baloney. Just doing the numbers in my head, that's over ninety three million dollars in training that they are willing to flush. Uh, but I mean, this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, the Marines have kicked out two hundred and six dedicated troops for refusing the vaccine. The Navy's commander of the USS Winston Churchill was fired in December for the same thing. Uh, so the question then begs, I mean, you were a constitutional law professor, Chris. Uh, is this legal? Is it constitutional what they're doing? No, not constitutional at all. So if you're going to take away someone's free exercise of religion, your First Amendment rights, you have to show that you are doing so in a way that is supported by a compelling government interest. But the, the way the test is applied is the Air Force doesn't just have to show we have a compelling government interest in getting a lot of people vaccinated. No, they have to show that they have a compelling interest in denying each and every exemption. And that's harder because they've already granted 3,000 exemptions nearly so that obviously they can grant some exemptions. And get this, when you look at the individual situation of these pilots, it makes no sense whatsoever. Three of them have already been deployed, unvaccinated, completed their missions with no problem whatsoever. One, another one I was just talking to on the phone earlier today, he was telling me the plane he flies, uh, has, it's not the uh, KC or RC-135, it's a smaller plane. It has ejection seats. And any pilot who flies a plane in the Air Force with uh, ejection seats has to have uh, a complete um, air system attached to his face. In other words, he's got an air mask. He's breathing in oxygen supplied to him by his own uh, oxygen supply system. So the idea that that guy's sharing any air <laughs> with anybody right. else in the aircraft. So. It makes no sense. The, the Air Force has no rationale whatsoever other than just repeating the mantra, um, readiness, 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 we need everybody. You know, it doesn't make sense. They're actually completing their missions. They have the Air Force has been you know, dealing with COVID just like the rest of us have for the past two years. These guys have been doing their work, completing their missions just fine. But now suddenly they're going to get kicked out because the Air Force wants to hit that, you know, 100 percent mark or 99 percent mark 
uh, of force that's vaccinated. It's it's idiotic. So you filed in district court. Uh, any idea of the timeline? Yeah. So we'll be uh, filing a motion for a preliminary injunction uh, probably in the coming week. And then uh, depending on how quickly the court sets the timeline, uh, you know, hopefully we would have a decision within uh, a month, month and a half after that. Um, we, Like I said, the pilots are half from Kansas, half from Nebraska. We went ahead and filed it in Omaha in that district court. And so uh, hopefully we will have uh, an answer very soon. And I'd be happy to you know, share it with you guys on the air. Yeah, please um, let, us, have information. let us know. Keep it up. I, I know I've got to let you run, but I did want to ask you about something that came up at the convention this weekend. You were part of a, a I don't know if you call it a forum or a panel discussion with the other two candidates running for attorney general. Um, you said the outcome of the 2020 election was influenced by election shenanigans that resulted from a clear cut, excuse me, clear cut case of distortion of the electoral college through alteration of election rules. And I think there are a lot of folks that probably agree with you that there's, I mean, whether or not Joe Biden won, I don't think, well, there are some who could dispute that. I, I don't know how much, you know, gratitude how much levity or, or, or rather right. uh, weight I yeah, give yeah, to but, that. But can you explain what you mean by that? Because I think I don't want people yeah. to think that you're thinking that Joe Biden's not a legitimate president, but at the same time, it's hard not to think there was some shenanigans going on in that election. Right. So when I said shenanigans, what I'm referring to is the indisputable, you know, the, the, the extent of the voter fraud is disputed, but it's indisputable that there were significant numbers of fraudulent votes cast in both Michigan and Pennsylvania. Yes. The, the, and the ballots that came in. Watcher, from, from poll watchers State. getting kicked yep. out, things like that. Well, and of course you had the, um, the in, in the Wayne County, which is Detroit, uh, you had one of the election commissioners saying, no, I can't certify these results because I can't remember the number, but it was an extraordinary number as well over a hundred um, ballots that were on a for. They didn't know where they came from. In other words, they had no source attached to that vote. And I spoke to her on the phone. So, you know, we we will probably never know the true number of of fraudulent votes and and whether that was enough to have tilted the election. But there's no question there was um, fraudulent votes cast. But my point is, the lawsuit that I was involved in drafting was the one that was brought by the state of Texas, and it was it was brought by the state of Texas. But there were actually five of us attorneys who dra- drafted the whole thing up and then offered it to various states. Said, "Hey, would you bring this? It goes straight to the Supreme Court." And that was the case of Texas versus Georgia. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And that's the one that Trump called the big one, because you, people may remember in December, went straight to the Supreme Court. And our lawsuit didn't, it, we didn't rely on a single fraudulent vote being cast. In other words, it was not based on facts of whether votes were cast wrongly or fairly or legally. It was based on the undeniable fact, undeniable legal reality, that those four states had changed the rules for selecting their presidential electors without legislative action. See, Article Two of our Constitution, the Founding Father said, if you can check, you can select your presidential electors any way you want, but the legislature of your state has to make those rules. And in all four of those states, using COVID as an excuse, they changed the rules without the legislature approving the changes. And so that was the basis of our lawsuit. And if the lawsuit had been decided on the merits, in other words, if the question had been asked, did these four states change the rules without legislative action? The answer is under, you can't even argue it. The answer is undeniably no. In fact, the four states in their briefs couldn't deny it, that they had changed the rules without legislative action. And that's the one that went straight to the Supreme Court. 
And uh, in an, there was an article written about it, and there was an overheard conversation in the in the justices only chamber uh, where Chief Justice Roberts was overheard shouting, "We will not take this case." You know, you can imagine the reasons why he didn't want to take it. He didn't want didn't want the Supreme Court to be responsible for declaring that four states electoral vote, college votes were incorrectly cast. And so um, the court said preposterously that the state of Texas does not have standing. Um, Justices Thomas and Alito dissented. And believe me, when Thomas and Alito are together in any dissent, you can be assured that they are on the true constitutional side. The the original understanding of the Constitution is with those two. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, the court um, did not have the courage to say that Texas had standing, and the question was never was never decided by the court. But that was a that was a suit that made me realize, you know, we have got to bring these these pivotal constitutional questions up and hope and pray that the judges and justices will have the courage to take them. And that's why I decided to run for attorney general. I've I've kind of been doing this all my life. I brought the first lawsuit against Obama's illegal DACA amnesty back in 2012. And now I'm representing the Air Force and brought that suit, uh, you know, put that suit together with with the help of others on behalf of Texas. And I just I know that Biden is not going when he loses the House of Congress, things aren't going to get better as far as his illegal acts. He's going to start doing more things with his pen through executive order. And we need a, a state attorney general who's willing to file suit and willing to fight him in court. And I actually really enjoy doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think you get a little perverse pleasure out of it. You know, it's, not, it's not perverse. I'm defending the Constitution. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, sort of like I get perverse pleasure out of picking at, uh, at Brandon Whipple and Laura Kelly. So it's okay. There you go. That's a there good go. kind of perverse pleasure to get. You're, you're standing up for the cause of what is right and good, and in this case, the Constitution. Amen, my friend. Well, if folks are interested, it's Chris Kobach.com, and those are both K's. It says K-R-I-S, Kobach.com. If folks have questions, if they want to get informed, if they want to donate or get more information, they can find your information there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And if they want to read the documents, like our filings in this Air Force lawsuit, they can go to um, the organization that I'm general counsel of that's, that's filing these suits, uh, and that is the Alliance for Free Citizens. And that's just Alliance for Free Citizens, all spelled out, dot org. Well, Chris, we appreciate you as always. Good luck with the campaign. I, I, I missed the forum between, between the three of you, but I'm sure we'll have you on again. I know I will have your uh, your opponents on again, and I, I wish you all the best. Anytime. Thanks. Thank you, sir. We'll take a quick break, and then we want to hear from you. Our phone lines are open, 316-869-1330. Give us a call. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. It's Truck Month at Rusty Eck Ford, F-150s, Super Duties, Rangers, and more. Drive home the truck you want or need today. Or order your truck from Rusty Eckford under MSRP while locking in your incentives, saving you thousands. Only Rusty Eckford will get you the new Ford truck you're looking for under MSRP when you order today. Yes, you heard it right. We will order your new Ford truck under MSRP, saving you thousands. Or drive home today with zero down and financing as low as 0%. Only at Rusty Eckford. Pricing under MSRP, $0 down, 0% APR, and finance options for everyone. It's Ford Truck Month only at Rusty Eck Ford. If you don't come see us today, we can't save you any money. RustyEckFord.com. 
Beautiful moon setting outside right now. Where's it? Very low on the northwest horizon. Wow. And it is something to see. If you're driving westbound somewhere, you're definitely going to see it. Yeah. And if your knuckles begin to become very hairy, you're probably a werewolf. I love you people. You'll love it. Steve and Ted in the morning on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Guns are firing. Tanks are rolling. Planes are flying. Dozens of killed. We stand with you. We're keeping the door open. Bombs to a diplomatic way forward. Destruction. Special alert of Russian nuclear forces. What's happening can seem alarming to all Americans. For news that happens next. Watching war crimes unfold. Before. This is the price of freedom. It's heard anywhere else. Will happen on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 13.30 KNSS. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 13.30 KNSS. Want to remind you to stay informed with up-to-the-minute news by reaching the Odyssey app. Just download the Odyssey app or tell Alexa or Google Home to play KNSS radio. And, of course, Make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. Dave, I don't know if you saw it. Don't get me wrong. Far be it for me to watch Bill Maher. Uh, No, really? Yeah, well, we're slightly uh, political opposites, I would say, ideological opposites. Right. But occasionally, I mean, he's amusing. He is entertaining. I'll give him that. I don't know if you saw, he closed his show Friday night by suggesting it's worth pondering why Russian President Vladimir Putin took action in Ukraine during the Biden presidency instead of the Trump presidency. I heard about that. Yeah, and he spent basically much of his monologue on this topic and talking about, you know, why would why would Putin do this now as opposed to under Trump? Right. And he's not the first that I've heard these, you know, folks who typically you would think are on the left, well, who are on the left, um, who are now starting to question the senile old man in, you know, in chief. Right. Not surprising for me to hear that from Mark because he he does question a lot of things. Yeah. On both sides. Yes. You know, cancel culture, for instance. He's not a fan of cancel culture. No. No, and and but it is kind of interesting when when people like him are willing to come out publicly, right, and start say because I, you know, much as you don't like Trump, as you may not like Trump, and you may not like the mean tweets. Nobody minded the dollar and change gas prices. Yes, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, gas over four bucks now. Yeah, and that's Joe Biden. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. And and so now you're hearing. I'm just curious to see how this trend may evolve with if more in the Hollywood elites. Are willing to start vocalizing, right? Their their, shall we say, uh, displeasure with Joe Biden. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but this really surprised me. The comedian Trevor Noah actually came out and he was talking about the fact that Saudi Arabia will not answer Joe Biden's phone call. How embarrassing that is! He said 
no one was ever going to ignore Donald Trump's calls because if you ignored Trump, you didn't know what uh, what he would do, how he would respond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. No, and that may have been it. They may have been that Trump was just chaotic, and they didn't know how to handle him. They didn't know yeah. how to respond to him. Either way, I guarantee you, Putin knew that if he invaded Ukraine under Trump, Trump would have responded. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, and yeah. and that whether you know he was a hothead or whatnot. They knew that they couldn't pull this off. Joe Biden, nobody's afraid of Joe. Except maybe the guy that picks up the uh, adult uh, depends on time. At any rate, in the, next, uh, in the meantime, have a good week, folks. Carry on, fellow deplorables.